Welcome to Truths of the American Small Town, a show highlighting what life is really like in cities we typically only drive through or fly over. I'm Alex Miller, and in this series, we're shining a light on the fact that every place has a story to tell. In this, our second episode, we're highlighting Amelia Courthouse, Virginia, a village set just outside Richmond. It features a small community of stone lovers, its very own Tornado Alley, one of Hollywood's first sex icons, and a complex reckoning with its deep Confederate history. Amelia Courthouse in Amelia County, Virginia at large is not a place used to the limelight, or at least it hasn't been since the late 19th century. The village sits just about in the middle of the state, roughly two hours from anywhere you might want to go. And the unfortunate truth about Amelia is that, like many other small American towns, people are heading out more than they're heading in. The town's proximity to late-stage Civil War arenas and its personal entailment to them attract people the most, but let's focus on that just a little bit later. At one point, Amelia could have been known for its icon of glitz, glamour, and sex appeal. And of course, most people don't even know who that is anymore. Toby Wing. Toby Wing. Do you know the name? The chances are you probably don't, even if you are entrenched with the history of Hollywood's pre-code era. Wing was born in Amelia, but left at a young age, and she became a child actor by nine. By 16, she had become one of the introductory Goldwyn girls. Goldwyn, like G and MGM, she existed as one of the faces of the production company's brand early on. Trouble was, she really wasn't much of an actress. All of her 50 or so roles were relatively insignificant, and she became known almost exclusively for the fact that she appeared in these films barely clothed a true sex icon of the 1930s. Then came the production code in 1934, which heavily regulated the nature of movies, and poof, Wing fell off the map. Her flashy lifestyle afterwards was dominated more so by who she was dating rather than what she was starring in, and considering she dated FDR Jr., it wasn't hard for her to retain some of her national attention. But back home in sleepy Amelia Courthouse, her likeness is nearly forgotten. Well, I think there's just more interest. I mean, you know, we've got a, uh, we've got, it was the last major battle of the war. Yeah. It, uh, and uh, it affected a lot of people, you know, uh, <clears throat> movie stars and baseball players attract a, a small portion of society where the war affected everybody. And, you know, it's, it's a big part of history and it, it really affected not just Amelia, but the whole nation. Uh, and so that's really the main thing that million people think about. Uh, they, they don't really, back when uh, movie stars were big items, people here didn't even have TVs or, you know, they may have radio, but uh, that, that wasn't part of our, like today with all the technology. That was Jerry Lee Morris, an older resident of Amelia Courthouse and the owner of Jerry's Now and Then, an antique and custom framing store. But why, you ask, are we starting here? If most, if not all, of Amelia's major history takes place in the 19th century, why does Toby Wing matter? Well, she embodies a lot about how this town chooses to remember its history. 
conversations are filled with anecdotes about the girl who was in the movies from Amelia, or there's that one person for NASA, and another of, oh, I think she was a writer or something. Nothing but the Civil War history is concrete in Amelia County. So let's talk about it. Amelia County was, by all accounts, a focal point of the Confederacy during the Civil War. The story goes that Robert E. Lee personally loved the town because of its spas, and because of this particular fixation, he often used it as a rail line during the war. Even by the end, the last major battle took place at Sailor's Creek, just at the border of Amelia County, and the Appomattox Courthouse, where Lee finally surrendered, is just under an hour away from Amelia Courthouse. These facts leave a large gap for Civil War-specific interests, but it has also created a sense of pride that sometimes conflates itself in a very problematic way with Confederate nostalgia. Amelia's proximity to Richmond and the recent surge of accountability regarding Confederate commemorations has intensified this blurring of a novel interest in the Civil War and a pride for Southern heritage. First, if you walk around the courthouse square, uh, I think that's probably one of the most uh, idyllic uh, areas uh, that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an old courthouse that's been refurbished a little bit, and it's got a big Civil War monument out in the in, on the green. And it's uh, uh, as for all, not just for not just for the Union or Confederate, but it's for all the, uh, uh, the Civil War soldiers. That was Don Schreffler another longtime resident of Amelia Courthouse and a former fire volunteer in the community. What really struck me about my conversation with Schreffler was how quick he was to ease my mind about Amelia's innocence. Just casual nods to the fact that the lone monument is meant for all combatants in the Civil War was just one of a number of things to try and give me a positive perception of the town. The truth is most residents in Amelia feel the same way as Schreffler. They want the area to be liked and viewed as simply an objective location that the Civil War happened to take place in, but their wishes don't necessarily translate to reality. Michael Whitaker, who you'll hear from next, is the president of the Amelia County Historical Society. Much of our conversation was dominated by one specific Board of Supervisors meeting in October that included creating an advisory committee in association with the NAACP over potentially getting rid of, or replacing, the lone Confederate monument the town has. The request came after many Confederate monuments in Richmond were taken down. Remember the objectivity of the monument Schreffler mentioned? Well, that doesn't actually appear to be the case. Uh, the fact that it was put up by the uh the Daughters of the Confederacy and supported by uh, various Confederate veteran groups um, at that time makes it highly unlikely that it was to all soldiers. And it's not as if simply tearing down the monument was the only option presented. Whitaker presented the idea of placing another statue commemorating black residents and former residents of Amelia County. He specifically mentioned Robert Russa Moton, the second principal of the Tuskegee Institute and an Amelia native. It would start putting uh, the Southern, the, excuse me, the African-American contribution into Amelia County, Virginia, the South, and the United States into a broader perspective because at the time that monument was erected, I don't think there was a whole lot of consideration for black contributions to the development of this county. 
To make matters worse, Whitaker added that the monument is just the tip of the iceberg and how some people in Amelia County have embraced erasing black contributions to the area. And then in the 1920s and 30s, there were at least 20 uh, black Confederates that petitioned the Virginia legislature and received pensions for their service to the South. But that was when they were 75 to 90 years old and much later. And 19 of the 20 of those were approved. There's probably more out there. So, uh, but whether any of those are on the ro on the rosters that are included in the monument, and that's the proof of the pudding as to whether literally it is dedicated to uh, Confederates that are black and white. To my knowledge, there's no Yankees uh, commemorated with that statue. But the commemoration's ignorance toward black Americans' contributions didn't stop the village from retaining their support for the monument. Uh, we have our statue. They wanted, they wanted to take that down and put up something else. And the thing of it is, that's our history. And I mean, this is the way I look at it. Uh, I may be wrong, whatever, but this is the way I feel. We got, we learn from our history. And you can't take that away. It's done. It's over with. And what can we learn from it? And take it from there. And. Am I glorifying all that? No, I'm not glorifying all that. What I'm saying is, again, it is our history, and the history is there to, for us to learn, because if you don't learn from your history, you're going to repeat it again. That's why I've always, I've always felt that way. And, and yeah, I, I see where some people are going to get upset about it. You know, we got to do this, that, the other, but they've got to remember the other side of the story, too. Everybody, everybody's got their own story, but they forget about the other stories that are out there, too. And this was not an uncommon response about the monument. The conversations about it were defensive, almost. And that shop owner, Jerry Lee Morris, even described the town's structure as a good old boy system. Schreffler, Morris, Whitaker, they all mentioned the fact that newer and, more importantly, younger residents were moving into the community. And with new residents, inevitably comes some new ideas. <clears throat> and we have a... Uh a statue in that courthouse square right in front of my store the local people raised the money and put the statue up and it's as confederate dead and of course most people here were confederate and of course like all the others we had people that wanted to take it down mm -hmm. and <clears throat> this board of supervisors bumble made the statement in this public meeting when we were talking about the statue he said well the statue doesn't mean anything to me and uh, you know, he made several statements that, you know, people wanted to throw rocks at him. Uh, you know, he said, where I'm from, which was not around here, uh, we don't recognize people or whatever. And so, you know, he infuriated a lot of people just by his comments at that board meeting. I think most of the people that have been in the media very long, uh, you know, uh, don't think and want like he did. Uh, in fact, at this meeting I was telling you about, uh, my son, he did research and told how many uh, slaves actually fought in the war and what the statue meant. And, you know, he, he gave a really good talk and he turned around to the, to the congregation of people who was attending the meeting and asked everybody who agreed with what he was saying to please stand. And 98% of the whole auditorium stood up.
there's just some general animosity towards newer people in the community because they may not be stepping up or they may not be evolved like older generations were. Uh, the, the more fresh ideas we can have to come in and the more people who want to commit themselves to having a better community, that's, that's one thing I don't see uh, as much with a younger set than, than, I, than I did when I was growing up is, a, is, is that C word, that commitment. We need volunteers all the time. Um, fire and rescue, uh, anything, food pantry, clothing, uh, thrift stores, uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, uh, which I just don't see the commitment from a lot of these younger folks. But like many small communities, Amelia Courthouse is hurting. So what are they doing to expand their reach and attract new residents? Well, the answer is not a whole lot and they've even turned down several items that may help the area grow in order to retain the atmosphere that the village currently holds. Here's Don Schreffler again. At one time, Paul Sawyer had looked out here to Amelia County and brought it to the Board of Supervisors at that time and wanted to move Richmond and Addison Waste Ray from Richmond to Amelia County. They turned it down, said no way. Do you know the millions of dollars could have been brought into this county if that would have happened? I've seen some places like Darlington and places like that where NASCAR has come in and just pumped all sorts of money into a community. But do you think that would have changed the complexion of the community too much? No, it, it, it would have. It would have because they'd have to do better, better roads and stuff like that into it. But... But yeah, would it have changed the whole complexion of the county? Yeah, probably would have. And I think that's what they were afraid of at that time. Treffler and Morse both mentioned how, as much as younger people may be moving into the area, so are a fair amount of older people. People looking to settle and retire. People looking mainly for quiet. The only issue is the geographical placement of Amelia County puts it in a somewhat formidable location in terms of weather. Sweater advisory from the Weather Service. They say a trained weather spotter has reported a tornado near Morven, near the Amelia Courthouse, and Doppler radar showed this moving to the northeast at 30 miles per hour. So I'm going to jump back over here and uh, let me get the graphics loaded up for you so I can show you what we're talking about. Uh, this uh, this storm again. This is the tornado warning that's just been extended now into Powhatan County and. Uh, Western Chesterfield County, but the core of the storm is right there, central Amelia County, and apparently near the courthouse, Amelia County Courthouse, there is confirmation they have seen a tornado come out of this uh, storm. America's idea of tornadoes are typically associated with, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska, other states in the Midwest, but little known to most is Virginia's own miniature tornado alley. Since 1900 alone, Amelia County has had three major tornadoes, major meaning that there was pretty heavy destruction in the area. One coming in 1924, followed by one in 83, and most recently in 2003, when an F1 tornado struck down a day before the town's annual Amelia Day. Amelia Day is a day celebrating the county's history and promoting local shops. Here's Jerry Lee Morris again as he recounts that day and how he feared for his own business. Well, like I said, I have an old two-story general merchandise building. The storm hit not far behind my store and went south. It lifted the entire roof off my building 
and dropped it in the road right in front of the administrator's building in the middle of the street. Uh, all the huge oak trees that were 200 years old in the courthouse were, were torn down. Mm. The, the tornado went for about, you know, two miles and tore roofs off or damaged roofs or, you know, was... <laughs> Uh, I was in there, and the whole building started shaking. And I thought, "Wow!" I, I realized what it was because I have a lot of glassware, and the whole building was shaking. And I just stand there all and watching it. And then I said, "Wait a minute, Jerry, you idiot! This is an old building; it could come down on you." So I thought it was just going to shake and stop, but it it kept on for a good while. And if 19th century history and storm chasing aren't your cup of tea, well, there's always the small segment of lapidarists in Amelia County. Lapidary is the term for people who work with and shape crystals and gemstones. And luckily for them, the Moorfield Mine houses a strange mineral, Amazonite. The rocks don't typically get people excited about visiting a new place. Let's just say the mine isn't the greatest interest for tourism. It typically just brings in school trips from the Richmond area. But the potential for these rocks to have healing abilities, now that's something worth getting worked up about. Amazonite holds this strange color that has actually eluded researchers for some time. At first glance, it's this faint, almost lime-colored green, but different variations come in a copper and a blue as well. And the mineral isn't exactly rare, it can be found in China, Libya, Mongolia, South Africa, a handful of other states in the US, but its rarity isn't what makes it exciting. It's the fact that the Amazonite is the gambler's stone, said to grant some good luck, sure, but more importantly than that, it's said to soothe your emotions and slow the tensities and aggravation of life. Here's Dr. David Kitchen, an associate dean at the University of Richmond. Kitchen has degrees in geology and comes from a rich geological history. I know as a teacher that unless they're studying, they're mostly environmental studies students, so they're not geologists as such. And I know they're going to forget much of the detail of what I'm teaching unless they're using it day by day, which most won't. So I told them up front, my aim is that they will never, my aim for the end of this course, is that they'll never walk out again and, and look at the landscape with the same eye. It was fundamentally changed the way they'll always be asking why. Speaking to a researcher, I, of course, didn't expect to fully find someone convinced of the Amazonite's power, but Dr. Kitchen is a human before he's a geologist, and he knows just how important Amazonite and gems in particular can be to a small community. It's a foolish person who dismisses what they don't know, okay? Mm -hmm. I can tell you there's nothing scientific in that. There's no particular property to the stone. But how people perceive something can actually change the rea their own personal reality. I mean, we know all about the placebo effect, right? So if, some, if you believe something enough, so I think my understanding, which is very limited, is that that was a lot of the basis behind voodoo as well and the power of, 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 of not just that, but other religions too is that if people believe something to be true, it could become so for them as an individual. Um, and the power of the mind to affect our emotions and our well-being, I think is something we've still got to explore a lot more. I mean, when I was a, 
I'm in my early 60s now, but when I was young, people completely dismissed the idea of acupuncture as being almost the, the same, just sticky needles. How could that possibly affect this idea of some kind of body flow energy thing? But we know now, not that I think people fully understand why acupuncture works, but there's very little doubt anymore that it does work, right? Um, so there, there's a there's a science to be investigated there. And I, I'm, I'm skeptical to think there's any science in the, myst the mystical values of particular minerals and stones. Um, but I do believe that if you believe, it's the belief itself is powerful. And whatever you invest that belief in can make change in your life. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm a, a you know a crusty old geologist who'll poo-poo the idea of this stone being anything special, but I'm a smart enough person to understand the power of the mind and belief. These gyms grant that sense of purpose that some people in the Amelia community may be missing. I think fundamentally people feel the need to control in some way or determine their future in some way, or to, to wrestle control from chaos. And a lot of our lives at various times, especially at the moment, can feel like there's chaos and there's no control. So something like that gives us a sense of, this is my talisman, this is this is my lucky stone. This is, I mean, how many, God bless them, uh, pilots and others, soldiers in the last war carried their, their lucky whatever it happened to be, believing that might somehow, you know, that would save them from that, that bullet that would kill them. And, um, and of course, if, if they walked away, they came believing that was the reason that they walked away, or maybe you know, or they were terrified if they were to lose it. I've read stories about that as well as you know, airmen who had their lucky talisman and then they lost it, or, or something happened to it, and they were just terrified to get in the aircraft again because they believed that they thought that they would die. So, it's it's it, you're you're a complex being. I think that in a world where we have very little control or power over ourselves, that feeling of finding something that gives us something. It's really important. Meaning and control. Those are the themes of Amelia Courthouse. For as much as Toby Wing wanted to break into Hollywood, the 1934 Production Act ultimately halted her career and took that control away from her. Older newcomers in Amelia County want a slow and effortless life, but random and dangerous weather conditions take that control away. The Moorfield Mine helps to harbor a community of people who put their faith into gems and crystals in order to take back control of their emotions. And that lone Confederate monument is still standing because, well, the people of Amelia County can control that. They can't control how newer residents will view it or how newer residents may alter the courthouse square as a whole. They can't control Richmond's spillover to remove monuments but they can control whether or not that monument lives or dies. And for now, they've chosen to extend its survival. However, the morality and longevity of that decision are still hotly contested even within the county borders. The frankly problematic history many Southern towns have shouldn't go unrecognized, but their deep history also allows for interesting and positive opportunities to glance back at the past. Here is a dramatic reading of a love letter from 1861, written by a man named William Tucker and written to Jerry Lee Morris's great-grandmother. Miss Anna, embodied by the license afforded today, I shall venture to bid you to be a companion in a journey I propose taking. 
it may prove to be an important event in your life. It will be justice to give you some information as to the character of our ride. The vehicle in which we would go is called matrimony. We would drive along the road of life. My horse is an old gray steed named Time. He is a rapid horse for having ascended the vehicle of steps called Love, fashioned by the cunning artifice Cupid by name. The dull will be closed upon us by the clergy. He will lock the door and throw away the key. We will find, in time, the roads certain rough patches caused by selfishness, pride, vanity, and temper, which have never been clearly removed from the pathway of life. We might get over there without injury, as courage has proved the springs of mutual affection which assists most wonderfully, softening every jolt. And indeed, if we should keep these springs well old, the symbol of love, the whole journey as pleasant as we desire. The letter is marked for Valentine's Day of that year. And Morris, as you might have recognized, is not the same last name as Tucker. And that's because, according to Jerry, Mr. Tucker didn't make it home from the war. You see, in Amelia County, Everything is tied back to the war. Thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for providing the music for this episode. Thank you to everyone who contributed time and interviews. Special thanks to my friend Paul for voiceover assistance. And a thank you for listening along. <laughs>